This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your week five betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague and the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Duck, what is going on? How was your week four? Fantastic week four. What, seven and two or eight and two Sunday? So zero complaints here, uh, but who cares? We are on to week five. Let's get a move. Sure you don't want to stay on the plane after week four and go to a strip club or something? It's, uh, <laughs> there's just, there's no time for breaks during the NFL season. So because oh, oh, uh, uh, Urban Meyer doesn't, uh, he doesn't know that. So just, you know. Well, apparently, uh, it was just kids trying to get him on the dance floor. It was in his restaurant, like it, I think it was his restaurant called like Urban Meyer's Pine House, and uh, there was like pictures of him and his wife on the like on the like behind the bar and stuff, like the wallpaper, just an absolute mess. So we'll get to the Jags later. Yes, we got a lot to talk about today, so let's get uh, right into it. We'll get to our Thursday night football preview and then our Sunday six pack. Uh, but before we kick things off. A couple of quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever and you still haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis from myself, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. Second, if you need to reference our Sunday six-pack picks anytime all you have to do is download the Action Network app and follow Sunday Six Pack in our follow feature. We track those picks there. Uh, they're posted every Friday. And finally, in case you haven't checked out our other episodes here on the Action Network podcast, our Action teammates Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer do shorter NFL betting shows every Monday and Friday, which cover betting recaps, uh, Monday Night Football preview, look-ahead lines, uh, basically anything that Stucky and I don't touch on this podcast. All right, let's get into it, Stuck. Let's get this shit cracking. Thursday night football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So for week five, we got a good one. Rams coming off a, I guess you could say an upset loss to the Cardinals since the Rams were favored going to Seattle to play the Seahawks who broke through versus Trey Lance in that second half and were able to come out with a win in San Francisco at BetMGM. The Rams are favored by two and a half points. The total is 54 and a half stuck. What are your thoughts on this one? Is this a mistake in the schedule? Do they mean to put this game on Thursday night? can't believe we have this, <laughs> this uh, nice of a matchup on a Thursday night getting used to seeing uh, the Jags and Texans, but yeah, it should be a really good one. This is actually a rematch 
of the wild card game from last year when the Rams went up to Seattle and their defense completely shut down Russell Wilson and company and they won that game. But you could see, you can just see now, especially last week, the difference between the Rams defense last year and the Rams defense this year. They lost a lot of talent. The Browns, by the way, are benefiting from some of that. You see how well their defense is playing. Uh, but it's it, it's now just a, a completely stars and scrubs unit, right? So like Jalen Ramsey is still going to take care of business, whoever he's lined up in front of. Aaron Donald is still going to dominate in the interior. But the rest of the roster, I mean, their safeties are struggling. David Long is getting picked on at corner. So this is a, a defense that is a lot more vulnerable than it was last year. So don't think it's the same unit. So I think that Seattle can have a lot of success here. And if you look at Seattle's offensive numbers, you know, they've been shut out. They, they were so bad in the second half up until throughout the season, up until last week when they finally broke through. But some of their offensive numbers are really promising. 0.288 EPA per play in early downs, which is leads the NFL. But they've been pretty bad on third downs, but I think those early downs are a little more predictive what we'll see from the Seattle offense. So I've liked what I've seen on early down success. I'm a little worried about that interior offensive line against Donald and how much chaos can he cause in the pocket. I'm a little worried there, but I still think Seattle can have success here. The Rams offense should obviously have success against Seattle's defense. The secondary has been a disaster. So I think it's a, a game that profiles for a lot of points, hence the total. I'm pretty spot on with the total. I make this game closer to one, however. I know the total's really high. Rams, by the way, no injury designations. One of the healthiest teams in the NFL. I think Chris Carson and uh, Seattle's linebacker, Myoa, is que- are questionable. You, I always talk about Wong teasers. We'll talk about them more later. You can tease through three and seven. Technically, by definition, you know, you the lower the total, the better, and you're not supposed to go over totals of 52. But I, I make exceptions in certain circumstances. This is one of them with Russell Wilson. This is a great teaser piece, I think, from plus two and a half over plus eight to plus eight and a half. You're crossing three, four, six, seven, and now eight, which is important nowadays with teams, you know, missing more extra points and two point conversions becoming more prevalent. Russell Wilson, by the way, 24, nine and two against the spread as an underdog in his career, 72.7%. And I mentioned this last week, 30. Three and two when teased six points at any dog number, any dog number, doesn't matter what it is, 33 and two. That's a cool 94.3%. And then after last week, he's now, when I teased him last week too, he's now 16 and 0. If you tease him six points when he's an underdog between one and a half and three points. So I know it's a high total. Both offenses should have a lot of success here. You know, it increases the variance in the game. But I, I like the Seahawks as a, a teaser piece for this weekend. Should be a good game. I think it's probably going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I grabbed the Rams at plus one. Um, so got some nice. good closing va- line value here. But I agree with you at this spot. <laughs> you know, if I was if I didn't get that Rams number, I'd probably be looking strictly at a tease here. I, I do think the Rams got in my head win this game. Obviously, that's why I took them at plus one. Uh, what really kind of sticks out for me is, you know, you have Russell Wilson on one side, you know, at, you know, every time you kind of doubt him out, he's an underdog. He exceeds expectations. On the other side, you have Sean McVay 
really well prepared, well schemed, going to come off, uh, especially when his team's coming off a loss. Uh, he's eight and two against the spread in his career coming off a loss on the road, covering by an average of 10 points per game. So uh, McVay has been really good in these spots. And that for me gives them a little bit of an edge. I know the Seahawks have Waldron, but I think, you know, the Seahawks, everything they do is still under that Pete Carroll like umbrella. And so I think it's still edge McVay because he's going to kind of know what Waldron's thinking a little bit. Um, I, I agree. I think both defenses uh, are going to struggle a bit in this one, but uh, I think the Rams have some matchups here. I mean, Robert Woods has been a guy they really haven't fully gotten involved yet. They want to get him more involved. That's what the coach is saying. So, you know, prop alert uh, as well, but Robert Woods going to line up, you know, on that, uh, on that, on that right side. And he's going to go against either Trey Flowers or Sidney Jones, who took over for Trey Flowers last week. Flowers is benched. Those two have combined to give up 21 of 25 for 378 yards uh, and three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's 15 yards a target. That's 18 yards a catch. So, you know, the Rams, I think any matchup they want, they're going to be able to get it. Uh, Carson, neck injury on a short week. Uh, they The Seattle's going to have to rely on Alex Collins maybe a little more, Homer, Dallas. They're not going to be able to run it as good as they normally will. Uh, I still think it's the advantage to the Rams having a guy like Ramsey. At least you can do things against either Metcalf or Lockett, you know, whoever, you know, they kind of choose. So I just think Seattle is going to be a little more uh, struggle a little more, even though the teams uh, are probably pretty evenly matched because I think McVay gives them a, an advantage and Carroll at this point probably gives them a disadvantage just in the, in the sense that, you know, I Seattle has been so inconsistent despite their talent this year uh, on offense. And it, it, it comes down to the philosophy. I think, Pete Carroll still wants them to run the ball and, and kind of commit to that. And Seattle's offense has gone cold for halves at a time. And I just don't think you can do that against this Rams team, especially when you have McVay uh, kind of scheming things up and you don't really have any matchup advantages on defense uh, to speak of. So um, yeah, I, I kind of lean Rams here, but I, at this number, I agree. I think it's better just teasing it up. If you got the plus one, uh, I would just sit back and kind of hold on, hold on to that. Uh, at this Something point. else to note is the Rams defensive line did look gas at the end of mm -hmm. the game last week. And now it's a short week going to Seattle. You know, Russ is always a good bet if down at the half. Something to just keep in the back of your head. But yeah, that's going to wrap it for our, our Thursday night football preview. Let's give the people what they want now. Let's get into the week five Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action. Let's crack open. The Sunday six pack. All right, Stuck. We actually broke even last week. Uh, so I'm still up uh, 18 to 15, I believe it is. Uh, I hit both of my two point picks. You hit a two, a one, and a total. So four for each of us. You got first pick in the week five six pack. Where are you going? Yeah, for my first, it was a great week for both of us last week, uh, picking up four points. And I didn't pick up any ground. We've just been red hot to start the year. So hopefully it continues. Look, if I just keep getting four points every week and you do too and you win by three, all the listeners are happy and I will graciously concede the uh, contest to you. It's all about picking winners here. So I'm going to start for my first pick of the Sunday six-pack. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles plus three and a half at BetMGM at the Carolina Panthers. Look, I mean, I think this is just a – what we're looking at here in the market is a perception difference on two teams that really aren't that different in my eyes. I mean, the Panthers 
we talked about got off to a three and zero start on one of the easiest schedules you'll ever see in your life, right? They, they faced a rookie quarterback at home in their first game against the jets. They then played the saints at home and the saints were in one of the worst spots you'll ever see. Not only did they just beat the Packers, they had all these assistants out due to COVID they had injuries. Panthers won that game. Then they get to face another rookie quarterback on a short week this time in making his first start. So in their first three games, they faced two rookie quarterbacks making their first start. So obviously they could jump out to a three and elite. And then on top of that, you have a team that got an extended preparation and rest advantage over the Cowboys who played on Monday night and they went to Dallas. They played their first real team and first real quarterback of the year, you know, and then they uh, got humbled a bit and all of that Panthers Super Bowl talk has uh, quieted down a little bit. Cowboys averaged 7.7 yards per play. They ran 34 times for 245 yards. It's over seven yards per carry. So it's safe to say that Panthers defense was a bit overrated after the first three games. The defense is also without three of the five players who were starting in their nickel formations in the opener. Still be, will be without them this weekend. Shaq Thompson is also hurt. That'll hurt real, That'll hurt a lot at linebacker where they're not the strongest. Very thin there now. And look, the, the offense, it's still Sam Darnold, who I don't trust. It's still a makeshift offensive line who I think the Eagles can have success against. Christian McCaffrey did practice today. I doubt he plays. Uh, if they rush him back here after a 3 1 start, I'd be pretty surprised. Given the injury, you don't want to lose him long term. Maybe he plays, and that would obviously help the Panthers, but I'm banking on the fact that he doesn't. And, and look, this is still, like I said, it's a really weak offensive line. I mean, in three of the five spots, you got set, Moton has been good, and their center parodies has been good, but that's about it. This third down defense for the Panthers, also not sustainable. Some of it's opponent driven, but. There's major regression coming. They're holding teams to a conversion rate of 23.8% on third downs. That would be an NFL record. The Dolphins, for reference, led the league last year at 31.2%. So you see the Panthers have all, all of these statistics that are just really skewed because of their schedule, facing the Saints in an awful spot, facing two rookie quarterbacks. Meanwhile, the Eagles have played the 49ers when they were healthy. And again, they probably should have won. They dominated the Falcons. We've seen how bad the Falcons were. And then, you know, they played the Chiefs and the Cowboys, maybe two of the best offenses in the league. You're getting value with the Eagles here after how these teams have started. I do not think in any world that this spread should be over a field goal. The Eagles offense looked a lot better last week. They were playing without four of their five original starting offensive linemen. Lane Johnson Word on the street is he will be back. He was out for personal reasons. Word on the street is coming back to Philly tomorrow. Mayata, who's outstanding left tackle, who has been out, he practiced in limited fashion today. So I think they actually have a good shot of getting both of them back. And uh, I think that there's just way too much value on this Eagles team to pass up here. So give me the Philadelphia Eagles plus three and a half at Carolina. Yeah, I love this pick. This would have been one of my three. Uh, I bet it at four and a half. Uh, it stood out to me early in the week when I looked at the lines uh, for anyone uh, trying to get these early numbers. Be sure to follow me in the action app at Chris Raybon. You can also follow Stucky at Stucky too. I agree with everything you said. And I think there's another advantage that Philly has that is going to be, you know, defensive coordinator, Phil Snow for the Panthers. He's loved to blitz this year. And 
some of that has been, you know, he's facing a lot of young quarterbacks, unproven quarterbacks uh, generally. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, year two guy, you probably want to blitz him a bit too. That's just kind of their identity at this point. But Hurts kind of dictates that you come out of that and, and you don't blitz him because in his career on 98 pass attempts while blitz, so a pretty steady diet of blitzes Hurts has faced, is averaging 8.8 yards per attempt with eight touchdowns and one interception. That is unheard of, especially for a guy who a lot of people think is, you know, bad quarterback, not accurate, uh, you know, has to rely on his legs. He's got an 8.2 touchdown percentage, uh, 8.8 yards per attempt, uh, and he's been blitzed a ton already in his young career. So now you're going to make the Panthers play differently than they've been playing and differently than they've had success uh, on defense. So I think that's another kind of hidden advantage. And if, you know, Hurts can kind of, demoralize you a bit because you could shut the play down and, and play coverage if you don't blitz and then he could still pick up that first down with his legs so you know how long before phil snow you know gets that itch and, and send some some extra heat at hurts uh we'll see but I, I think that's another advantage that the eagles have so uh yeah i like them as well in this game and that would have been uh, one of my three picks all right for my first pick of the week five sunday six pack and the second overall pick I am going with the Minnesota Vikings minus nine at bet MGM against the Detroit lions. And this is just a smash spot for Minnesota. First of all, we have Mike Zimmer coming off a loss 32 and 15 in his career, 68% against the spread coming off a loss, but four and zero against the spread coming off the loss when the line is minus more than a touchdown. So as a seven and a half point favorite or more off a loss, Mike Zimmer's teams don't, kind of fail to cover the number and kind of play down. They they rebound even in these spots and cover these big numbers. So I, I like it from that angle, but just to, it's a brutal spot for Detroit here. You have, first of all, Minnesota is eighth in pressure rate on defense. Jared Goff is 27th with a 56.8 passer rating under pressure. And then the injuries for Detroit. I mean, Detroit's already, we knew they were missing some corners, which is never good against Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen. And by the way, Detroit's allowing 16 yards per completion, which is absurd. But Detroit is going to be without top offensive lineman, Frank Ragnow. He was grading out 90 plus in terms of PFF grade, second of 33 qualified centers. And you're also going to be without your top pass rusher, Romeo Okwara, who had a team leading 16 total pressures. So... This was already going to be a tough spot for Detroit just based on the talent disparity, based on, you know, Zimmer coming off a loss. But you lose your center, not even – and not just your top alignment. We know Decker's already, you know, out. But you lose your center. We saw the issues that Jared Goff was having last week with the snap. And you lose your top pass rusher, and you're giving up 16 yards per completion. And you have a desperate Minnesota team, you know, who's historically played extremely well coming off a a loss – I just think this is a smash spot for Minnesota. I don't usually take these big numbers, but I just love it for Minnesota in this spot. So Minnesota minus nine at home against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Flowers has been limited too, but the Lions, were, we came into this year very down on the Lions for obvious reasons. Look at their roster. The one thing we said that was good about them was their offensive line. They were projected to have one of the best offensive lines in the league, but you don't have Taylor Decker, your top left tackle. Now your Pro Bowl center, Ragnow, is out with Serto. And now their first-round draft pick, Sewell, might be out as well. The other tackle position. I mean, this offensive line. Oh, I didn't even line, see that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't uh, see that. So their offensive line is just uh, in 
shambles right now. And the Minnesota front seven has played better of late. I liked what I saw last week against the Browns. Oh, Hawkinson. Hawkinson didn't practice either today for the Lions. So, you know, if you look at their secondary, it's just depleted. This is, yeah, such a get-right game for the Vikings, who have played the hardest schedule in the NFL per opposing records. The Cardinals, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Seahawks. Mm. So their receivers should eat against the Lions' putrid secondary. I mean, Jefferson and Dillon should be open all day, especially as the Lions don't get any pressure whatsoever. And here's – you want to talk about regression. The Lions, I think, have the worst defense in the NFL. It's even worse than the Chiefs. They're dead last in EPA per play on early downs. They're second in – the Lions are second in the NFL in third down conversion percentage on defense. So there is – you can expect that regression likely to hit this week with the Vikings just keeping the chains moving all day long. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's Vikings or nothing here. I personally uh, tease the Vikings down, which we'll get to in our teaser segment in a bit. Yeah, I, I just like how do you give up 16 yards per completion? And it should have been more because how many yards did Marquise Brown drop? Like, what was the average yeah. completion that Marquise touchdowns. Brown dropped? It would have probably been 17, 17 and a half had, has he, had he caught those balls. I don't like that, just breaks my model. I don't even know how to account for a defense that gives up 16 yards per completion. Uh, and, and and by the way, the 30th and run DVOA, da- Dalvin Cook has been slowed in a couple of the Vikings losses, you know, just 29 carries for 95 yards in week one and four combined two games that they lost. Um, I know they also lost the game. They should have won in between that, but yeah, this is not the type of run defense that can slow them down either. So yeah, I'm um, not my usual style pick here, but uh, you know, just playing the board and uh, love the Vikings there. Where are you going for your second one? All right, for my second overall pick and third overall of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with another underdog. We're going with the San Francisco 49ers plus five and a half at BetMGM at the Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, this was a home game for the 49ers at the end of last year. Uh, So obviously some familiarity there. But this is, look, we're getting the fade cliff, which I always love. The perception change on these two teams over the past two weeks has been enormous. I mean, I heard, I think I got tweeted out last week, like Scott Hansen on red zone was like, are the Cardinals the best team in the NFL? Are the Cardinals going to win the Super Bowl? That's what the talk is now because they have gotten off to a four and start. But I mean, look, they played the Titans in week one. We were all, I was all over the Cardinals. Titans were in turmoil like COVID injuries. Just, I mean, I didn't take much from that game of the Cardinals. Then they beat the winless Jags in a game they trailed 19-10 at the end of the third quarter. They get a pick on a flea flicker. And then they moved to 3-0 by beating the Vikings because the Vikings missed a field goal. And then they have one dominant performance over the Rams. And all of a sudden, it's Super Bowl for the Cardinals. Look, I got to give credit to Kyler Murray. He's playing really well. He's only the third quarterback ever with a 4-0 record, 1,200-plus yards passing, and a 75%-plus completion percentage. Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson, the only other two to do that. By the way, when Russ and, and Peyton did that and got off the 4-0 starts, neither of them covered in week five for what it's worth. So, look, all of a sudden, just this massive shift in how good people are perceiving this Arizona team to be. If a couple of those games go the other way, and they could have lost to the Jags. Jags, they could have lost easily to the Vikings. The, all, I mean, this line is just way out of whack for me. Uh, I just I think that it should be a field goal max. And, and the 49ers, look, they started out, 2-0, and everyone was saying they're going to the Super Bowl. And now two weeks later, they dealt with a lot of injuries. They lost to the Packers and Seahawks. 
by a combined nine points, it's over for them. They're done. So, I mean, it, it's just crazy that this the, the shift and what has happened with these two teams just in two weeks. So I'll gladly take the value. If you haven't seen this come across the app yet, maybe you will by the time uh, you're listening to this, but I'm just waiting to see if we get a six. I mean, it's at a dead five and a half yet. See if we can get a six. If not, I'll, I'll take the gladly take the five and a half, uh, really down to the four and a half. We, we, don't, we don't like Shannon as a favorite on this podcast. Shannon is a favorite, 820 and one against the spread of his career, 28.6%. That's a negative 42% ROI. As a dog, 23 and 16, 59%, 15% ROI, 16 and nine away from home, 64% covering by just under four points per game. I don't think Jimmy G's going to play. There's been some positive news with him this week, but I don't think they rush him back. Trent Williams and George Kittle didn't practice today. There's been some more positive news on, on Trent Williams. Those are injuries to watch. And I think both will play. I don't know how effective they'll be, but I think I, I think Kittle will give it a go again. You're going to have Trey Lance practicing all week, and this San Fran and Kyle Shanahan is going to come up with a game plan to just gash, 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 gash. This Arizona run defense, which has not been good. They have not solved any of their issues in the run defense. It's, you know, they're 25th in adjusted line yards. They're 27th in 10-plus yard rushes allowed. They're dead last in percentage of runs allowed over five yards their defensive linemen and their linebackers are really just struggling to defend the run so i think they can exploit some of the aggressiveness of the rushers and the offensive line should just get an enormous push up front and especially the interior lots of design trey lance runs you're going to have him practicing with the ones all week little element of surprise there so uh, you know i think that the 49ers are basically just going to run all over this arizona team They've also on the defensive side, they have some injuries, especially in the secondary worth keeping an eye on. You would hope that, you know, Kiwan Williams plays, but they've done a good job in the past bottling up Kyler Murray and get some edge pressure. Uh, I think the 49ers will have a really good chance to win this game. I think they're going to have a ton of success running the ball. And I think Lance will be a big part of that. So give me the 49ers as an underdog against Cliff, who I love fading as a favorite, not really a big home field advantage here either. Like I said, they already played here at the end of last year, division opponent. It's not far to travel. So, I mean, the the home field advantage is negligible. It's not a a great home home field crowd. So uh, give me the 49ers. I think this line is well out of whack. I love the spot for the 49ers. You know, I totally agree. That's pretty much how I play the 49ers. When I bet them, I fade them as a favorite. I look for the value, uh, you know, when they inevitably shit the bed as a favorite. And then as an underdog, Kyle Shanahan schemes them up something mean and they they end up covering on, uh, you know, as an underdog. Uh, the one thing that kind of, well, not the one thing, but the kind of variables at play that kind of scare me uh, is just the health of Jimmy G and, and Trent Williams in particular, because I think that, you know, Williams is just an important part of, of their O-line, obviously, but uh, it, Trey Lance, it also worries me if he's going to have to start. I know I do think he'll be better with a week of practice, obviously, but I also think there's a reason why he wasn't playing more. And it's because of his throwing ability. Like, he was lucky to get the both touchdowns to Debo Samuel. One uh, didn't really have a good throw, but Debo was so wide open that he, you know, that's going to happen against Seattle. Uh, and then the second one, Debo really fought for that, for that end zone. So I'm just worried if this Cardinal team is able to put up points, you know, because it's, it kind of reminds me of the Ravens where you don't want this team playing from behind and the Cardinals are a team that could make you play from behind. 
Uh, so that's why I can't really cap it at this point. Um, if we knew Jimmy G was going to play and Trent Williams was going to play, then I'd be all in on the 49ers. Uh, but right now I'm kind of in line uh, with the markets. I'm just kind of waiting for, for some more injury news. But I agree. I think the spot is great. It's just uh, I worry about some, some, some specific matchups in this one. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals, there's also some, if you're looking for some regression, Cardinals, look at the turnover differential between these two teams and Cardinals number one in the NFL by a wide margin in special teams hidden points, things out of their control, you know, field goals, uh, opponent punts, things of that nature. Uh, where are you going for your second pick, Raybon? For my second pick and the fourth overall pick of the week five Sunday six pack, I am going with the New York Giants plus seven at the Dallas Cowboys at BetMGM, and for me, this is another one of those spots where we fade the Giants uh, at home. You know, they usually they usually play bad at home. Now they have two straight road games, so I kind of wish they wouldn't have. I mean, it was good for you because they covered the spot last week, but I kind of wish they wouldn't have had that lucky string of events, you know, kind of transpire late in that game that allowed them to knot it up and eventually win because I think we would have gotten even a better number, maybe seven in the hook here, but – uh, first of all, you have Daniel Jones, who I think is playing a, a lot better than he was earlier in his career. Uh, he's 11 and four against the spread on the road, 73%, 10 and two against the spread as a road underdog. He's covered 83% of his 12 starts as a road underdog. And there are some things that are kind of giving me some optimism about the Giants, at least covering big numbers. Number one, uh, you look at the Giants and the thing I worried about, I know you worried about it. Is their offensive line? How is it going to hold up? You know, especially they've been dealing with some injuries to the interior line. Well, the Giants, they've struggled in to run block. And we've seen that with Saquon Barkley. You know, he always seems to end up with rushing totals in the 50s. But they're 13th in pass blocking efficiency. They've been able to hold up for the most part in pass protection. And that is extremely important for a young quarterback like Daniel Jones because you saw it last week. Uh, even with not as many weapons as you would have liked him to have. He still threw for 400 yards against a, a defense that has been really good for the last couple of years um, against the run and the pass. And, uh, you know, he was able to shred them. They were able to get a ton of explosive plays. So I looked at Jones numbers this year from a clean pocket, 9.1 yards per attempt from a clean pocket under six under pressure, but Dallas is 24th in pressure rate and the giants are above average in pass blocking efficiency, according to pro football focus. So, um, this is not one of those situations where you're, you know, completely shell-shocked of, of, of playing the Giants because they're going to get outmatched uh, on offense. Daniel Jones really hasn't been turning the ball over. Uh, even the interception he threw last week, that was kind of a, a, a Hail Mary type of situation. So I also think maybe Jason Garrett finally saw that Kurt Warner video because last week, all of a sudden, the Giants started getting yards after catch. Guys started catching the ball on the move. Everything wasn't come back to the ball. Uh, Daniel Jones was hitting guys in stride, which, um, you know, I think that can, that's obviously part scheme too. I, I think he's got to get better at that, but he was doing it last week against a really good defense. So I've seen some, uh, what I wanted to see out of the Giants improvement wise. This is not a, a knock on Dallas or a fade on Dallas, who I still think is an excellent team, um, you know, in the long term. But remember, the Giants played him close uh, last year in the game with Dak, then Dak gets hurt. Um, still a close game in that one. And then they win in, in the game when Dak was injured late in the year. So divisional game, there's some familiarity here. Uh, I think this one just stays tighter uh, than, than the number indicates. And that's been kind of the story with Daniel Jones. And, and there are some positive things happening 
uh, with this offense. Maybe those, maybe having some of these speed guys like Tony and Ross and being forced to use them has kind of altered Garrett's play calling for the better a little bit almost because, uh, you know, the Giants offense wasn't a particularly explosive offense really ever, but now they got Barkley, they got Tony, they got Ross, and they're kind of forced to use these guys. And, and Gallaudet is really the one kind of bigger guy that, that Garrett is maybe used to, but uh, I like what I'm seeing out of the Giants. So taking them plus seven at the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I don't disagree here. I think the line is a little high. Uh, one of the biggest surprises in the NFL for me this year has been uh, Andrew Thomas, the Giants' left tackle. He's not allowed a sack this year, and he's only allowed six pressures in four games. Last year, that was 18 through the first four games. So he's been great on that left side, and I think it's really helped stabilize an offensive line. It's just dealing with a lot of injuries and just not great overall. The problem is he didn't practice today. So that's something to keep an eye on. Whether the injury is serious or not, we'll see. But he was hobbling out there. So I, we'll see if he plays. It would be a huge loss. I think you could get Matt Pert instead. Um, you know, Peppers has a hamstring injury. Leonard Williams didn't practice again today. He's big in the interior of that defense. And then obviously you have Slayton and Shepard. Galladay's a little banged up. So the injuries are a little concerning to me. Um, but this fits the mold. The Giants is always, this is their spot. I mean, Danny Dimes, 11 and four against the spread on the road, four and 11 against the spread at home. Um, the Cowboys, you know, just some of the, what scares me a little bit here. I mean, the, I mean, the, some of the Cowboys offensive numbers are, are so impressive. I mean, their offensive line, even without Collins, I mean, Steele's a great run blocker, struggles a little bit in pass protection, but their offensive line, number one in adjusted line yards, the Cowboys 58% rush success rate on early downs. No one else is over 50. And then also the Cowboys and Chiefs are the only teams over 60% when they drop back in success rate on early downs. So, I mean, this team is just setting itself up for success on early downs and and just a really tough offense to stop. Dak is just playing at another level. The Giants aren't going to get much pressure. They're 31st in pass rush win rate. So can Dak just cook? The one thing, one injury that could really help the Giants is Amari Cooper, who didn't practice today. I, so if he doesn't go, it makes them, you know, with Gallup already out, it makes them a lot easier to defend. Zeke didn't practice either, but he's expected to go. Now, maybe there's some regression coming for this Cowboys defense, which would help you as a Giants backer. They're only like their 18th in success rate. You know, all of their – it's basically like an average – grades out like an average defense, but they have 10 takeaways in four games. They're just making a lot of big plays. You have to give Dan Quinn some credit. He's – you know, his scheme has evolved a bit. Parsons and Diggs are just Diggs. two phenomenal young players. Diggs um, is my favorite corner you know, in the league right now. I think he's there now. Here's he a stat for you. Remember Byron Jones? He's still a pretty good corner, but the Cowboys used to be on the Cowboys. Byron Jones, four interceptions in his career in 97 games. Diggs has five interceptions in four games this year. He has more interceptions this year that Byron Jones has in 97 career games. Diggs also has eight interceptions in 16 career games. So he's just the playmaker. But uh, can they keep getting these turnovers? That's going to be the question. Will Garrett, Garrett's play calling from week to week. You just never know what you're going to get. But ultimately, uh, don't disagree with the play at seven in a division game. I make it a little less and think that's where the value is. And it is just a giant spot. I don't disagree with your play here. All right, for my final pick of the Sunday six-pack and fifth overall, I'm going with the Cincinnati 
Bungles plus three at BetMGM at home against the Green Bay Packers. Again, you have not seen this play come across the app because I'm trying to wait to read the market to see if we can get the hook. I don't think it's coming. But look, I've already had a lot of messages about this game. Like the Packers are only laying three at the Bengals. I mean, Aaron Rodgers only laying three points. This must be a dream come true. Number one, that's usually a bad sign in the NFL when everyone loves one side. I'm sure the Packers will be one of the biggest bet sides of the weekend. Now, some sometimes those do hit, but more oftentimes they don't. Uh, but that has nothing to do with my handicap here. One thing to note, Bengals do have extra prep, extra rest. They played on Thursday uh, at home, and they'll be at home again here. Uh, Joe Mixon is questionable day-to-day. And actually, if he doesn't go, eh, who cares? If he does play, I think we'll have success running the ball. But if he doesn't, Zach Taylor actually throws the ball more here. Awesome for a bet, especially with Higgins, who should be back this weekend as well. The secondary looks a bit healthier also. This is really just a handicap on the Packers' defense is in absolute shambles. I mean, first of all, it's been a bad defense all year long. I mean, they played an awful Steelers team, a Steelers team that just was missing wide-open touchdowns, were completing two-yard passes on fourth and three. Um, And then, you know, they played the Lions, and then they got shredded by Jameis, uh, destroyed. You know, Jimmy G put up basically 30 on them. So uh, the defense has been bad, and now it is just a disaster. I mean, you have Zadarius Smith is out. They're hoping he's not out for the year. Preston Smith is banged up. Uh, Jair Alexander is most likely going to be out this week, probably for a couple weeks. And he, I think, is the most important player uh, on defense to his team in the NFL. You know, you have, you know, Ramsey is right up there with him, but he has Donald. You have Donald, you have Ram. Like, so you could argue any of these players, but what Alexander allows the Packers to do defensively and him just being an absolute lockdown corner with a, on a team that doesn't have good corners is just massive. And you take him out of that corner group, and now, now you're hoping Kevin King plays all of a sudden in his back? I mean, that's as, as bad as it gets. Kevin King and a rookie on the outside against Burrow and these receivers and a defense that is not getting pressure. I mean, the Bengals offense – should eat the only person that can stop this Bengals offense on Sunday is Zach Taylor. That's it. On top of that, the Packers offensive line has in- injuries. Bakhtiari's already out. Elton Jenkins isn't practicing. Josh Myers didn't practice today. So the offensive line is a mess. Something else to keep in mind here is these are two slower teams overall. You know, the total's up near 51. I lean over here, but if either one of these teams is trailing at the half by like 10 or more, or trailing early, look for a live over here because both teams should be able uh, to move the ball in comeback mode. But uh, yeah, I love this matchup for the Bengals offense. The bang and the Bengals defense has been respectable enough here. Give me the field goal here with uh, Mr. Burrow. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the total because that actually caught my attention as well. One of the things I like to do is, you know, again, I think we're both not really like trends betters, but we I like to like kind of pay attention to trends to see, you know, as number one is just gut checks to see if I'm going to make any mistakes with the way I'm leading. But number two, sometimes you just have these tells in the market. And I think that's what you're alluding to. And historically, since 2003, when you have a total open at 44 or more, and it goes up at least three points, the underdog is 59 and 32 against the spread, 65%. 
So that just kind of speaks to what, what you're talking about here, where this is a pretty high total for two of the slowest paced teams in the league. The Bengals have been extremely run heavy, uh, as you pointed out. But yeah, this is a great passing game matchup because the Packers are number seven in DVOA against number one wide receivers. That's that's Jair Alexander uh, at work right there. Now they are 31st against number two receivers. Now, whether and now you're going to you slide your two to your one yeah. and then you're and then it's just this trickle. And the, the Bengals don't have a one, really. It's just a, a many really good receivers with Higgins back. I mean, it's uh, it's a, I think a disastrous matchup without Alexander. Somebody's going to be open in that. That doesn't even begin to, you know, speak on the fact that Tyra Boyd, one of the better slot receivers in this league, is going to be going against what's normally the weakest link for the Packers anyway, because they they'll usually help the other outside corner because they can with Alexander, you know, kind of locking down on one side. So you're going to probably get, you know, Chandon Sullivan on, on Tyra Boyd or, you know, linebacker on board or whatever they try to do here. Um, so, yeah, it's a good matchup in the past game. For the Bengals, I mean, and if Mixon's out, I like P. Ryan and fantasy for anyone that cares. So I don't disagree with this one at all. I, I make this, I think it's, I think make this like one, like one and a half or two. Uh, for my third pick and the sixth overall pick of the Sunday six pack, <sighs> we're getting ugly here. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome to my world. Pittsburgh Steelers minus one against the Denver Broncos. I'm holding my nose as I say it. You know, I, I thought you had the right play last week. With the Steelers, I played it as well. It, it turned out not to to hit. The Steelers could have could have had that cover last week, maybe even the game. You know what? Did, they dropped. They just missed an eighty yard touchdown to Juju. Just missed another touchdown. They got a what was it? A, a return for a touchdown on special teams overturned. Um, that was I mean, a cool, very questionable return. That basically yeah, yeah. The game. Two fourth, fourth and shorts. They just throw it one yard too. That ended drives like just. And they came out. Well, I wanted them to come out. Desperate Tomlin mode. They scored a touchdown mm-hmm. right away. They were energetic. Um, and then just offensive failure. When you have a team plus seven and they go up seven, nothing, you're, you're feeling very good about that bet. So, you know, that was a disappointment. But I, I still think the Steelers are the right play this weekend. First of all, it's, it's not as much of a play on the Steelers outside of the fact that you still do have Mike Tomlin off a loss. He's still 56% against the spread off a loss. Uh, he's still 49 and 28 overall straight up 64% on the money line off a loss. And remember, this is a one point spread. So all they have to do is win this game. Uh, but it's really a sell on the Broncos who uh, I kind of pointed out, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, big, you know, big money pros and, uh, and guys who have been doing this a long time were on the, the, the Broncos last week against the Ravens. Uh, I was on the Ravens last week. Uh, I just, think you have to sell high on this Broncos team that beat the Giants, Jets, and Jaguars uh, in their first three games, you know, teams that they easily were, especially the Giants, you know, coming into the year, Saquon was banged up. They, you know, Gaudet said they would start slow on offense. You know, they play them in week one. So just a very favorable schedule. They play their first real test in Baltimore. Uh, the pressure gets to them. Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out of the game. Now he's in the protocol. Uh, and, you know, there's still a good scheme defense, but they looked a little more human uh, against like a, a decent offense. Now, this Pittsburgh offense, it's not going to be pretty, but I think they're, they're still leaving some plays out on the field. But I'm really just betting on this Pittsburgh defense and selling on this Denver offense because the Denver's offense was already 27th. You know, everyone's going to look at Pittsburgh. Yes, they're bottom five in offensive success rate on early downs. No one's surprised about that. They've been, you know, they're not good. But Denver's 27th. Denver, and Denver's outside the top 20. They're, they're 24th or worse in both pass and 
run success rate on early downs. They're 27th overall in early downs. So essentially, Denver's offense has been just as bad as Pittsburgh. The difference is they played, you know, the defenses of the Jets and the Jaguars and the Giants in the first three weeks. So I don't really think this Denver offense can get anything going, even if Teddy plays. And yes, I know Teddy covers. That's why another reason everyone likes the Broncos in these short, short dog spots. But the bottom line is Teddy uh, on offense really hasn't been great on, on early downs. Drew Locke would be even worse. Uh, this Broncos offense banged up. You know, you talked about it last week. You know, you're missing Hamler. You're missing Judy. Gordon and Williams, they'd be decent on, on the ground. But Pittsburgh's that's what Pittsburgh does, especially at home. They snuff out the run game. You know, they're top 10 in run defense. They're around 3.7 yards per carry. You know, kind of like you said last week on the road, I, I think it happens at home. You just get Pittsburgh coming out with their pants on fire on defense. Just think about Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke throwing to this group of receivers on a third and long, third and medium uh, against this Pittsburgh home crowd on defense. Uh, I just, I don't think there's many points in this game. We'll get to that later. Uh, but I'm just taking, I just think Pittsburgh gets this win. It's, they're not completely inept. They could have won the game last week. They beat a great team in Buffalo uh, on the road in week one. Uh, I know it's it's tough to pick the Steelers here, uh, but I still think they're the right play going Steelers minus one. Yeah, I, I think that's the spot. Uh, I don't think I can do it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't blame it's you. a good Tomlin spot. Bring your A game today. You ain't new to this no more now. You know what I mean? Dominate this football game. But I think that Big Ben has he's so bad now that he's making <laughs> so he's he's worse than how good the Tomlin spots are. And he might make <laughs> these Tomlin spots now unbettable. I mean, look, you mentioned the early down failures. I mean, the Steelers, their rush success rate on early downs, 18%. The next worst in the league is Miami at 24%. Oh, and they're also fourth worst in the league when they drop back on early downs. So it's basically like they have to sustain drives with short passes with a quarterback who's washed up. And, and then they're going to be a lot, they're going to be in third and long situations against this Broncos defense, which is just a disaster. The offensive line, the Steelers offensive line is getting zero push whatsoever. I mean, their adjusted line yards are like three. It's, it's, it's really bad. And I, I have to say it's, this is crazy to say, but Drew Locke will be the best quarterback on the field on Sunday mm. uh, on the same field as Ben mm. Roethlisberger. That not, um, may, not a, maybe, but when you factor in the Steelers defense, I think it's at worst a push. And I, I, I would actually think because Big Ben, I, I he's going to get the ball. Like Locke is going to, Locke could do something like Locke in Big Ben are probably equally bad in different ways. It's just that like Big Ben's going to get the ball out and take like a two yard gain on third and five, but Drew Locke would throw like a pick six on third and five. That, I don't against the Steelers. D. I don't think I don't think Ben is going to be that much worse, like any worse than Drew Locke. You're disrespecting the, the Broncos defense here. Who I think nah, the Bron- I love the Broncos um, defense. The, John Harbaugh disrespects the Broncos defense. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them. Not me. I'll take the Bron- I'll take the Broncos offensive line too uh, <laughs> over the Steelers offensive line. Um, hey. And maybe you get Claypool back, which will help. But I just can't bet Ben right now. I mean, just the 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 throws that he's missing really really bad so i i think that you have the right spot here i'm not playing the broncos i think this game goes under the total's like 39 yeah. and a half we'll talk but about there's that. no room we'll for there's that. no margin for error but i think it's the right spot i just can't trust ben right now until further i mean notice. i could i completely understand your big ben ptsd after what happened last week um but that is going to do it for our week five sunday six pack to recap Stuck going with the Philadelphia Eagles plus three and a half, the San Francisco 49ers plus five and a half, 
And the Cincinnati Bengals plus three. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings minus nine. The New York Giants plus seven. And the Pittsburgh Steelers minus one. Now it is time for our week five coaches pep talk. It seems like every week we dedicate these things to Urban Meyer. So I think it's only right that this week we dedicate the pep talk to Urban Meyer this week. And it's juveniles back that ass up. Oh, oh, wait, no, it's okay. It's not that. It's Al Pacino from the 1990 film, Dick Tracy. We are dedicating it to Urban Meyer. Doesn't your work mean anything to you anymore? Have you no sense of pride in what you do? No sense of duty? No sense of destiny? I'm looking for generals. What do I got? Foot soldiers. Look, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still think it should be juvenile back that ass up. I mean, did you see Urban? Do you see the second fits. video? I love when there's like, there's like a video comes out and then somebody has to explain it away and they like give one explanation and then like another video comes out completely negating the first explanation. Like Amazing. this dude, Urban Meyer is a trip. I said, I said this to it's Kurt. It's 2021, man. You can't yeah. you're at a bar. Someone's taping dude, something. Bruh. I remember saying to Kerner, I was like, yo, Urban Myers, I think it was plus 5,000 to be first coach fired. I was like, that's the greatest bet I've ever seen because this dude is literally the most cancelable coach in the NFL and it seems like every week he's proven me right in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I don't listen. I don't know. Like, do you, how do you feel about him not flying back with the team? He wanted to see his family. Too. I mean, it was where he, the state that he was in. My family doesn't usually back it up on me, though. So you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Urban, you keep giving us entertainment. That's our coach's pep talk. Uh, let's get into our favorite total of the week. All right, Stuck, you went first with the six pack. I will lead it off with the total. You alluded to it. Uh, I'll go with the first half here, Denver-Pittsburgh under, thinking of playing the full game as well. But like you said, could be some some weird things happening I, I, late in the game. But I think early on is where I really expect a low-scoring game because uh, you look at these two teams, Pittsburgh 30th in first-half pace, a.k.a. first-half seconds per play, and Denver 25th. So you have two teams, uh, 25th or lower in first-half pace. Uh, Pittsburgh speeds it up a lot in the second half because, you know, they have been trailing. Uh, we'll see, you know, hopefully they're not in, the, in this one. But uh, Pittsburgh's averaging just six points per game in the first half. Denver's averaging just 11. Here's a crazy stat for you if you're into trends. Denver, first half unders on the road. So when they're not in mile high, because you usually expect teams to struggle in mile high, you know, with Denver. Denver usually has de- more defensive oriented uh, than not. But first half unders on the road. Under Vic Fangio, 15-3, and three, 83% for Denver. So I uh, love the first half under 20. Uh, I would play it down to 19. 18 is not really a key number, but, you know, no, maybe you get like a 10-9 score or something. So I, I would I'd still kind of go no lower than 19. But uh, love the first half under 20 uh, at BetMGM for Denver-Pittsburgh. Yeah, you just need to avoid mistakes and uh, yeah. like a – turnover or something fluky i don't i don't mind that play at all for my favorite total i am going with the let's go to london for an early sunday morning bet let's go to the falcons jets over 46 again i haven't put this in the app yet i'm waiting to see can you know it's falcons and jets so people gonna say let's bet the under maybe i can get a 45 so i'm waiting to see where the market goes with this but i will be on the over uh regardless I tried to, first of all, I tried to look to see if there's any real advantage for either of these teams traveling to London. It's something that you really should look at each time there's one of these games. And by the way, poor, I, I apologize. Let's apologize to London. 
This is the game we give them Falcons Jets. Next week we give them Jags Dolphins. That's the two Monday <laughs> games this week. Uh, just brutal. But uh, there's I, I couldn't find any real advantage here. Both teams are leaving Thursday after practice, which I think makes sense. Uh, both staffs have some experience traveling to London when they were with other teams as assistants. Matt Ryan went in 2014. Um, so I couldn't really find any big edge for who has the advantage here. The Falcons have been nothing short of a disaster to start the year. I mean, they're 32nd DVOA in special teams, 32nd overall, worst team in the NFL. <laughs> worst in the Jaguars. On offense. Yep, 31st on offense, 29th on defense. Lots of issues. Um, the Jets, you know, they had a brutal schedule. The rookie quarterback, they looked a little better last week. But, look, they played an awful Tennessee defense, and they, uh, you know, we're playing a Tennessee offense that was without their two best receivers. But the Jets offense, look, Wilson looked a little more comfortable. I think he'll look a little more comfortable here against the Falcons defense that's terrible. And it doesn't really get pressure. He's got Crowder back, which helped a ton. I was hoping that Crowder played uh, for our Jets bets for our Jets bet, and he did. He also might get Elijah Moore back. I think it's going to play this week. So, you know, he got a little bit lucky on some throws, but he just looked a lot more comfortable. It was making throws. He's going to throw it downfield. And this Atlanta defense is just awful. The Jets defense is also awful. I mean, there's now there's injuries in the secondary. There's injuries at linebacker. It's a mess. They're number four in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage on defense. Number four on third down defense. Can you say regression coming for this Jets defense? And by the way, they're fourth worst on offense. Uh, so, you know, you can get some regression both ways. The Jets can get some touchdowns in the red zone, and they're probably going to get up some touchdowns against an Atlanta team. But one thing I can say about them is they do look a little better in the red zone under Arthur Smith. So I think this is a get-right game for the Atlanta offense. I think London will get some uh, some points here, which could be a more entertaining game than people are thinking. I mean, let's be honest. Cordero Patterson is going to go over this all by himself. It's going to be Cordero Patterson 47 and the rest of the – teams whatever because like this dude is unstoppable i don't know if that's an indictment on arthur smith or like that he's the biggest genius ever the fact that cordell patterson has five of their nine offensive touchdowns oh better than kyle he had a three touchdown game julio jones never had one of those while in atlanta yeah i can't disagree with this one to recap i'm going denver pittsburgh first half under 20 stucky going jets atlanta over 46 The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 
4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Now it is time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Yeah. All right. For those unfamiliar, a teaser is when you make a number of bets, two or more, and uh, you get an allocation of points, usually six points that uh, help each of the bet if they both hit you in your bet. So for example, if you teased a eight point favorite, six points, they would become a two point favorite. They just have to cover the spread of two. And if you teased an eight point underdog, uh, they would become a 14 point underdog. So uh, that's the standard six point teaser that we use here. Usually you pay minus 120 for it, but uh, there are some advantages uh, Stucky has a piece out on Action Network, uh, if, or you can Google Stucky teasers, um, and he talks about the Wong teasers and teasing through all the key numbers and all that good stuff. So uh, definitely worth checking out if you want to get more in depth with it. But Stuck, where are you going for your teaser for week five? Yeah, I'm going with the Vikings. The line is rising, so try and get it before it gets to nine, nine and a half everywhere. But Vikings minus two and a half. And the, which we already talked about earlier, just could get right spot here for Minnesota. And I'm going to go with the Browns teasing them up over a touchdown. And look, I got to give credit to the Browns defense. I mean, Mm -hmm. Joe Woods, that unit is balling out. Now they, they've dealt with a lot of injuries in the past and they just went out and upgraded with a lot of off season acquisitions some of them, the Rams, you're seeing the Rams suffer in the secondary as a result, but the secondary is just deep and talented now. And on top of that, you got Garrett in that pass rush. You have JOK, the rookies playing out of his mind. I think he's the second rated, the second highest rated linebacker in the NFL for PFF only behind Matt Milano. So the defense is just playing, it's balling out. They've only allowed 20 points in the last 10 quarters. I mean, and it's not like they, I mean, they played the, the Vikings offense and held them to seven points. They held back-to-back opponents to single digits for the first time since 1995. So this defense is is playing amazing, and I think that they can do some things to contain Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense, which is off a short week, should be noted. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, the Chargers' run D has been bad. I mean, real bad. 25th DVOA. Um, and they've been top five versus the pass. So they might have some success here against Baker Mayfield who can't hit an open receiver. Clearly, I think he's missing Landry some, but the Browns should run wild in this game. I mean, the Chargers run D has a lot of holes. Brown's number one rush offense uh, in the league by most metrics. So I think that, that their offense is going to have success running the ball, controlling clocks, wearing down this Chargers defense on a short week. On the other side of the ball, this Browns defense might be the most underrated defense in the league right now. So I think they can do enough to at least keep this game within one possession. Should be an interesting game between two coaches who are going to go for it as often as anyone on fourth downs. So from a side perspective, just who's going to win this game could come down to one of those decisions, creating a lot of variance in this game. Uh, But I think the Browns can keep this 
within a possession. It's also worth noting the Chargers special teams are still a disaster. Uh, just they don't. Part of the reason they go for the fourth down is they don't have a kicker. Is the, I mean, this guy Eno is their kicker, and the Chargers. I love Brandon Staley's decisions here, but they've been getting every fourth down. They're not going to get every fourth down for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, I think the Browns keep this within one possession, and uh, the Vikings should win by at least a field goal. Yeah, and the way these teams are playing now uh, on defense, I think this also may lean toward the under, which makes your you know teasing up you know to what seven and a half even more valuable. Yep. Um, so yep. yeah, I, I I agree with that one. Uh, I'm going with a similar one. Minnesota teasing them down from hopefully you can get the eight and a half down to two and a half. Uh, if not, you know get it to three. But uh, Minnesota and then Philadelphia up from three and a half to nine and a half. Uh, Minnesota for the same reasons I mentioned earlier, just think this is a get right spot for them. So the tease here is just kind of almost like a little, you know, insurance policy on, you know, maybe there's a backdoor Detroit did miss some, so some spots in the red zone against Chicago last week that would have changed the outcome of that game. But uh, I, I don't think it's likely, but you never know. And, and then Philadelphia, Philadelphia getting nine and a half in a game that I think they could easily win. Uh, love the tease there. And then Minnesota in a smash spot, getting them down to two and a half, three, uh, in a game, I think they should blow out the Lions. Also love that. So Minnesota and Philly, my teaser for week five. Uh, to recap, stuck going Cleveland, Minnesota. I'm going Philly, Minnesota. Uh, now it's time for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I think we've been on the right side to some you know, calling some upsets, whether it's with the spreads, you having, you know, you having uh, the Jets and the Giants last week, you know, Giants came close with the, the Steelers, came close with the, the, the Patriots. So I, I think we've been really good, actually, in, in, in kind of pointing out these letdown spots and upset spots. So uh, let's keep it going, though, and try to hit the par way. Where are you going for week five? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're, I'm going to go. Look, yeah, I would, I would take the Patriots again if I had to. Uh, great game and, and a great cover, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills this week at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a game I've called out from before the season started. One of the reasons I bet a Bills future. This is a huge potential, huge game for seeding purposes. I said the Bills are getting their revenge this week. Now they might slip up at, at Tennessee next, um, but uh, the Bills look they have revenge from two losses last year. People are going to say, yeah, well, the Chiefs dominated in both games. Sure. But the first game you could throw out. I mean, it was in the rain. The Bills played a bunch of practice squad players in the defensive line. Like, they just had the healthy scratches. McDermott was mad at them. And also their defense in the first half of the year was just awful. Milano didn't play in that game. They just allowed the Chiefs to run all over them. They just handed it off every play uh, on a on a on just a, a dreary, awful uh, weather day. I basically throw that game out. Bills are a completely different team later in the year. Then in the playoffs, um, the Bills kind of went away from who they were. They weren't aggressive, settling for field goals and arrowhead. I think it was a lot of, all right, this is our first time as a team in the play. I think they really learned a lot from that game. It is a bit concerning that, you know, I mean, Kelsey just went off last year. They had 18 touchdowns and 18 catches and four touchdowns in two games against them. And I think Hill had like 180 yards in that uh, playoff game. So Hill and Kelsey just killed them. But I came into this year saying – that this Bills defense is going to be even better than it was in the second half of last year. And there's, you know, they, they made some scheme changes, made some schematic changes after the bye last week, and they were much better the second half of last year. They brought in a couple things that they, they did is 
Star Lotulele, they get him back. He missed 20 straight games all last year, the playoffs, and then the season opener this year. They get him back at the one technique. He's playing well this year, but it allows Ed Oliver. It allows all their defensive linemen to get to shift and play their more natural positions. Ed Oliver's playing a lot better now. So and then they added depth on the defensive uh, end positions off the edge. They're the ones that get to adjust to the Chiefs if the Chiefs blew them out twice last year. And there's some regression coming for this Chiefs offense. This Chiefs offense is playing at a ridiculous level, obviously, because it's Patrick Mahomes. It's in the Mahomes era since 2018. EPA per play on third down, Chiefs 0.47. The next best since 2018, the Raiders 0.23. They removed garbage time. They've been double the, the second best team. But their success rate over that time is about 56%. Excellent. But their success rate this year is 66%. And they played tough teams. They're converting third downs at a ridiculous 64.1% this year. Only three teams in the NFL finished over 50% since 2005. Three teams. No one's been over 50 in 10 years. And they're at 64%. They were not, they were 90% last week against the Eagles. Highest percentage in a single game since 2008. So I get it. Their offense on third down is always going to be excellent, but it's not going to be this good. So I think that there's some regression coming there in that department. I just don't see how the Bills don't score every possession. I know Josh Allen's accuracy has been a little down. It doesn't matter. I mean, the Eagles played last week without four starting offensive linemen. Four starting offensive linemen. They didn't punt. They didn't punt a single time without both their tackles and both their guards. They finally covered last week because the Eagles kicked nine field goals inside the 10. They'd refused to run the ball. Uh, but there's a reason the Chiefs have been what, over the last – they can't cover o- over a field goal favorite. Any, any team can keep up with them. I mean, the last 10 in the regular season, they're 1-8-1 and one against the spread. Bills are 9-1, and one, by the way. You know, and home fields continues to trend downwards. So I know it's an arrowhead, but road teams are over 500 this year. I hope Milano plays because he's a big one. He's so important to that defense. But I tease the Bills. Again, high total, an exception I'm willing to make for a total that's over 52. Whoever, whatever team goes up seven nothing in this game, bet the other team live. I've claimed the beginning of the year Bills are getting their revenge here, so sticking with it, we're throwing the Bills in the underdog money line parlay. Let's go, Mafia! I actually like the Bills on the money line even more than I liked them in the teaser spot because you know it is a high total game. Obviously, you know things could go crazy, but the key for me with the Bills is they are number one in the league in pressure rate. They're just 18th in blitz rate. And that's, you know, the McDermott defense, they're not going to go crazy blitzing. But this year they're getting pressure. That's That's the biggest difference this year. Yes. They're, yes. You get star back, you get better edge players, and they're getting pressure without blitzing, which is the difference their defense has this year compared to last. Listen, every quarterback is going to take a downturn under pressure. Mahomes this year on 43 pressured attempts has completed just 20 of them. That's just a 46.5 completion percentage. He's thrown three picks on 43 pressured attempts. His average depth of target is 16.3 on those pressured attempts. So what is Mahomes doing when he's under pressure? He's just throwing it up. And the Bills, by the way, lead the league, not just in pressure rate, but also in interception rate. Now, I know a bunch of those came off Davis Mills, but the point is the Bills, you know, they're a safety-driven defense. They have that. They have those safeties back there. They have guys at corner that can cover down the field. You know, this is – not a good spot for Mahomes. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bills win this game. Yeah, let's go, Bills. Where are you going? 
Uh, I'm going with the Eagles for this one too. Uh, plus one sixty at BetMGM, and this just comes back to the fact that again, the Panthers have been the second most blitz, blitz heavy team in the league. So it's either they sit back and don't blitz, and and you know the, the Eagles are able to finally get their run game going and, and pick you know convert third downs because there's no pressure on Hertz, or they're blitzing and Hertz just destroys the blitz. He's averaging eight point eight yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, one pick on ninety eight blitz dropbacks. This is a very evenly matched game. And wouldn't be surprised at all if the Eagles win it. Again, the Panthers haven't been tested yet. They get tested for the first time. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Eagles got a blowout here, um, just based on the way that they're playing uh, and the the explosiveness of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think this could be one of the surprises of the week. Going Eagles here. You parlay Bills plus 120 with Eagles plus 160, and you get a 4.7 to 1 payout. So on a $100 bet, you'd win an additional four hundred and seventy two dollars for a total payout of five seventy two so that is our money line underdog parlay for week number five bills plus 120 at kc eagles plus 160 at carolina uh, now it's time for the best of the rest which are the games that we did not hit on in any other segment all right stuck let's start off with the patriots at the texans patriots nine and a half point favorites on the road the total is 39 and a half Tempted to go under here. The Patriots rode under since 2016 is 28 and 13, 68%. Uh, I just don't see the Texans scoring a lot. I'm, I'm just worried about like a 40 to nothing Patriots win, but I don't know. What, what do you think of this one? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of trends that back the back up the Texans here, like home dogs uh, over a field goal after scoring single digits, after getting shut out, they're all going to be like 60, 62%. And it's a bad spot for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, after that game against Tampa, you got the Cowboys on deck, you're going to the Texans, but Belichick's always good in this spot. You know, as a road favorite, he's 30, 20 and one against the spread as a road favorite against losing teams at 60%, 19.5% ROI. That's the most profitable coach in our action labs database since 2003. Always has his team focused no matter the opponent. One of the problems with the Patriots is they were without four of their five offensive linemen today at practice. Brown and Mason didn't practice with injuries. Wynn and Onwenu were placed on the COVID list yesterday. That's, you know, supposed to be the strength of the team. And uh, Mac Jones looked pretty good against the Bucs, but a lot of short passes. I think his, uh, what did I say? He was basically, from an EPA perspective, was just zero. Did I mean, it didn't contribute more than just the situation presented so keep an eye on that i, I would lean under too but there's just no margin for error this is a pass for me yeah i mean if the patriots are missing all these old linemen that just makes me like the the under even more so i, I might end up playing that uh obviously you check in the app check my write-up one on saturday we'll see where we're going with this one let's go to titans at jags jags finally cover this week they are four and a half point underdogs with a total of 48 and a half at BetMGM. titans i mean they just keep getting burned late in the down. Uh, they're number one in defensive pass early down success rate, but they're just getting just destroyed with big plays uh, on third down. Uh, DJ Chart goes on IR for the Jaguars, so they are down a receiver. They played Tavon Austin on 75% of the pass snaps last week. Uh, what, are you, what are you seeing in this one? Uh, probably going to play the Jags here, sadly, plus four and a half, if – Brown and Julio are out, which I think they will be. I don't think that you want to rush either one of them back with the injuries they're given, especially if an extra day of rest next week before the Bills big game in the AFC. So I don't think uh, either of them play. They're worth a couple points combined when it's a cluster. And the Tennessee defense stinks. I mean, so Lawrence will be comfortable. 
He looked a lot comfortable the last two games against defenses that aren't going to kill you. And this is one of the worst defenses in the league. They don't get any pressure. Uh, the Titans, lots of injuries too on the defensive side, offensive line, you know, Ben Jones and, and uh, Lawan didn't practice today. They got hurt. And, and as a result, Tannehill was sacked seven times against the Jets. You know, they're coming off of an overtime game on the road, going on the road again for another overtime game while the Jags had extra rest and preparation. I don't know how Urban Meyer used it, but um, – and the Titans just – look, this is – the Titans, just they don't blow anybody out on the road. They play down to the competition every single time. They've won seven of their last ten games on the road, seven and three. But in eight of them, they were either leading by less than three or trailing at the end of regulation. They played like five overtime games. Um, you know, they got blown out by the Bengals. They just lost to the Jets. Uh, you know, they beat the Texans by three last year. They beat, uh, you know, I mean, you could, I could just go on and on. They won at a bad Denver team by two. They won at a depleted Minnesota team by one. It's a team that just will play down to its competition. Terrible defense. Lawrence has looked a little more comfortable. You mentioned that using Robinson. So if I assume that Brown and Jones are out, I like the Jags a plus four and a half. Jags also have a special teams edge here. Yeah, and they're allowing three and a half yards per carry. Now they're giving up a ton of carries, but I don't. Yeah, run defense has been good. Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's been it's at least been yeah, above average. Like, we'll, we'll, yeah, it's, yep. yeah, we'll see. But uh, I, I think I'm still. I mean, even though he did cover, I think I'm still going to hold myself to no Urban Meyer shenanigans for now. I'll, this is probably a pass for me. Tampa Bay at Miami. Miami is a ten point underdog at home. The total is forty eight. You could look at Tom Brady coming off against the spread loss here. Uh, he's 61, 35, and 264% in his career, 25% ROI, according to our Action Labs database since 2003. So probably even a little better. Just we, we don't go back to 02 and 01. But uh, I, I worry a little bit about Tampa Bay here. I mean, I think this could be a little bit of a letdown spot for them too, even though they didn't blow the doors off last week, just because you have, listen, Brian Flores is a Belichick disciple. He just watched. He's going to have a whole week of, to watch exactly what Belichick did and what even what went wrong and 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 be able to scheme that up and then you have Miami they've actually been sneakily good in, in past defense now you know some of it is probably playing Carson Wentz and playing Mac Jones in his first game but you know, it's worth noting though. yeah no they do so it's worth noting they are number 2 are the dolphins in early down pass success rate allowed just 42% uh the league average is 53% so Miami has been solid the Bucks have no cornerbacks. Everyone's banged up. They trotted out Richard Sherman, who I believe led the team in tackles. And the Bucks, we know they have issues in coverage. But not only that, they're getting no pressure. They lead the NFL in blitz rate. They're blitzing 41% of the time. And they have the fifth lowest pressure rate. They're blitzing 41% of the time. And they're getting pressure just 21% of the time. And they have no cornerback. So this is just a bad recipe where – most weeks I'd probably be teasing the Bucks down or taking the Bucks for a survivor, doing something here. But I really worry about this Bucks team in this spot. Not enough probably to play the Dolphins because have not liked what I've seen out of Jacoby Brissett. It's been just brutal. I mean, he doesn't go downfield whether he's pressured, whether he's not pressured. Uh, he's making mistakes. He's turning the ball over. But I just see a lot of variance in this game, a lot of shenanigans that could happen. So this is probably a pass for me. What do you think of this one? Ken Brissett 
take advantage of the Bucks' defense with short passes because that's what ha- that's what's happening here. The reason that they're not getting pressure is everyone is just short passes, short passes, and then their corners are all out of sync because they're all hurt. Their secondary's hurt, and everyone's completing short passes against them and moving the ball. Bucks are allowing a completion percentage of about seventy three percent. Only the Jags and Giants are worse. So, uh, you know, can Brissett take advantage with that offensive line? I mean, that would be the recipe. You can't run it, and your offensive line stinks. I mean, the offensive line is horrendous. I think there is some value on the Dolphins here, but uh, I'm going to have to investigate a little further. Uh, Saints at Washington. So I played this at a pick for the Saints, so I do have some closing line value here. Washington is now a one-and-a-half points underdog. The total is 44-and-a-half. You know, I, I still think this is a bounce back spot for the Saints. Now, of course, you do have Jameis as a, un, as a favorite, which is never great. But uh, some things that happened to Washington in, in that last game. Now, luckily, uh, I, I took Washington. They miraculously covered. J.D. McKissick makes a great play at the end of the game. Tara Heineke uh, leads them back. But I worry about Washington in this game for how they match up with the Saints defense because you lost – uh, you know, Diami Brown's banged up your number two receiver. You did get Samuel back, but he only played 34% of the snaps last week. Uh, and they're going to need a big game from him because he also lost Logan Thomas, uh, a really good tight end who was playing pretty much every snap. And you also lost Brandon Sheriff. Now, all to, you know, taken together, you look at this matchup and you say, Terry McLaurin, he would probably put Lattimore on him. Lattimore's, even with the coverage bust against Saquon Barkley, a running back last week, Lattimore's still top 10 graded in, in pro football focus among 108 corners so you, you can take that away if you're if you're the saints and you force them to beat you with normally what would be logan thomas you know brown and his speed down the field uh and, and but now you have like a first read quarterback in in, in heineke who stares down guys too much saints usually play man cover too so they'll have some safeties back watching them you know free to kind of break on the ball uh, it just really the turnovers for Washington really worry me. They could be exploited on the back end, and it's kind of that perfect defense for Sean Payton to scheme up. Like all he needs is like I think one or two plays. I think it's also an under game here. Um, you know, both of these teams have been getting some lucky breaks that have gotten them to go over in, in some of their games. But uh, I just worry about Washington in the spot, especially given uh, given some of their injuries and, and the way they match up here. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's an under game here. I mean, Washington major cover issues on the back end, but I don't think. New Orleans can take advantage. Uh, and Sean Payton just has a lid on this offense. I don't know when yep. he's going to let it off. I mean, he just doesn't trust Jameis. It's so conservative. Plays right into an under's hands. Plus, Armstead and McCoy, their starting left tackle and starting center, didn't practice again today. I don't think that they're going to play. I don't think the Saints can really take advantage of some of the issues Washington has on the back end. Yeah, I think this is a good bounce-back spot for the Saints defense against uh, a banged-up Washington offense. So I, I think it's uh, – an underplay here. Uh, last game, uh, Chicago five and a half point underdogs at Vegas. I, I mean, I worry a little bit about Vegas in this spot. They finally got exposed uh, last week, but that was by a very well coached Charger team. Now Matt Nagy has committed to Justin Fields. Really, it's been the issue with Fields has been when he's under pressure, he just can't function. Uh, Crosby is getting crazy pressure, but overall, the Raiders' pressure numbers have been pedestrian. Five and a half, kind of that dead zone, but seems more like a four game to me, like, you know, three, four game to me, 24, 20, something like that. Uh, maybe another under game. The line's a little high, but I, I don't know if I'm going to touch it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, short week uh, after a road Monday night game, a well, road in quotation marks, but a travel. And teams in that spot when they come home, 
103, 132, and 7 against the spread, 43.8%. Uh, it could be a letdown spot here for the Raiders. All these huge games, and they, you know, they won three of them to start the year against good opponents, and then, you know, they lost uh, against a division rival. They got the Broncos on deck. Now you're playing the Bears at home, so it just could be a flat game for them. I, the Bears still stink. The offensive line still stinks. The Lions had their first three drives inside the 10, and they didn't score any points. That hasn't happened since 1993. Yeah. Uh, Montgomery is, is hurt now for the Bears. The Raiders' run defense has been pretty good. The Raiders' defense overall has been better under Gas Bradley, as I expected. I think Ngakwe and Crosby can bother field some. The Raiders' secondary injuries, just from a depth perspective, are a little concerning. I mean, you lost Mullen, you lost Arnett, your slots banged up. Maybe a tad high, given the spot in the short week. But nah, probably a pass for me. I think I might go first half under in this one. This because you know the Raiders defense. You know I, you don't expect. You know I know Wazer was better calling plays last. Even though Matt Nagy you should have a pep talk for Matt Nagy. I mean, give your guy credit. Did you hear that whole thing? That whole press conference. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah. Matt Nagy. Like, you did something positive. You delegated a task that you were clearly struggling with, which is understandable because you're still you're coming from being a coordinator yourself. You're still in a relatively new position in a tough city where they're really critical of your football team. You delegated successfully and you turned it around for your young quarterback. And then you proceeded to essentially try to take credit in the most underhanded, whack kind of way. Instead of just giving your guy laser, who's been under fire, who's, you know, had his share of, you know, the media's come at him when he's had some, some struggles. Just give your guy some credit there, Matt Nagy. Like that was, that was really bogus. Like that, that infuriated me probably more than anything Herbert Meyer has done uh, so far as a, as a head coach, which is saying something. So yeah, man, Matt Nagy, come on, man, do, do better than that. But uh, worth noting, Matt Nagy, first half unders when it's, when the number is, is like in this range. So when, the, you know, the total is 44 and a half for the full game. So when you get a first half under 18 and a half to 23, which means, you know, total probably 37 to 45, 45 and a half, uh, 32 and 11 toward the under 74% uh, in Matt Nagy's bears career. Uh, I, you know, I don't see the bears offense lighting it up. Raiders D has been better. And on the other side, uh, bear, you know, the, I don't see the Raiders lighting it up. It was, Derek Carr was bound for some regression here. You know, Bears, you would say maybe the weakest part is their cornerback group, but Ruggs is having some success. He usually catches like one deep ball a game, runs by the safeties uh, at some point from the from that inside alignment. But even so, yeah, it's probably the first half under is where I'm going to end up going with this one. So, uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it for the best of the rest. For week five, let's get into our final segment, the Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. The Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. Yeah, so Stuck, uh, we both survived. We both went Cincinnati last week. Uh, you've used San Fran, Cleveland, Denver, Cincy. I've used San Fran, Green Bay, Carolina, Cincy. Uh, that was a sweat last week. Uh, but they ended up getting a win. Great second half against Urban Meyer and the Jags. Where are we going week five? Uh, I think you got to go Vikings here against the Lions. Already talked about the spot. And uh, don't see many other opportunities where – uh, I'd feel great about using them compared to some other teams that I potentially might want to use this week and not want to save. So I think the Vikings are the clear choice. Yeah, especially after these injuries to Ragnow and, and Aquara, which, you know, maybe not household names to the average fan, but for a team already teetering on that, like, you know, touchdown spread or more, I think I made the line about eight, eight and a half, even 
before those injuries. So uh, now it's up to 10. I think it's my highest, you know, line of the week right there with the Bucks. But I, as I mentioned, I think the Bucks are kind of a little worrisome just because of all the injuries they're dealing with. They're not getting pressure, getting, going against Flores. And then uh, oh, Patriots to the other side. Save Tampa. Yeah, you want to save Tampa as well. And to, just to where they're in a better form, too. Um, and Patriots, the other option, love it for, you know, Belichick going against a rookie quarterback. But there's some other spots with the Patriots you could still use. You know, maybe the Jets, you want to use them. Yeah, there's some spots to play the Patriots down the line here. So yeah. going with Minnesota as well. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the Action Network podcast for week five. You can find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles in the Action Network app where you can where you can follow our bets and track yours for free. You can also follow the Sunday Six Pack picks. Just search for Sunday Six Pack in the Action Network app's follow feature. Until next week, let's get this money. Let's go.